Well, hey, everybody. I'm your host, Justin. And I'm not going to screw this up. Mm -hmm. I wrote a rap song all about how I do screw it up because I don't have almonds like my pastor does. Mm. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to The Debrief, a weekly Q&A show from Sandals Church with Pastor Matt Brown, bringing in real answers to tough questions from the Bible. I'm your host, Justin PRD. Glad to be back after that spooky, spooky Halloween episode. Yeah, where were you? Exa- well, uh, I was actually upstairs getting, getting some work done. No, I wanted, we were talking about Rogo School of Leadership, and what better way to let the Rogo School of Leadership shine than letting Tim Hawley, yeah. our Rogo, Rogo pseudo-dictorian. Is that what you call the second place one? Pseudo? Saladic- Saladic- pseudo means quasi. Yeah. Oh. In other words, not. Okay. Salutatorian? That's not right. But Salutations to Tim Hawley. Yeah, good yeah. job, Tim. Hello, mm. Stephanie. Hello, I'm Stephanie Schaefer. Glad We're going to have to have some Greek class in here because someone clearly P. Okay, so there's valedictorian, then there's the next one, but then there's also... Uh, summa cum laude, mag- I think I was getting all that stuff con- confused, yeah. summa cum laude. That's all about, I think, the amount of ribbons you get to graduate with on your robe. Right. And yeah. uh, Tim got one ribbon, not as many uh, ribbons. There were ribbons as, involved in the robes. At least not been. when I was in college. Because <laughs> well, one of the most disappointing things in my whole life is I was like 0.2 tenths of a grade point away from being magna cum laude. I said, I'm just cum laude. So that's why you mm. didn't get a ribbon. I got some ribbons. Oh, congratulations. I got, I got a ribbon. Well, I got a, what do you, whatever the band. Sash? And then a gold, yeah, sash. Well, I have like a gold cord. And then a cord. gold band and a gold coin that hung off the oh, cord. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I gave my graduation speech. Oh, okay. you did? That's mm. that's awesome. I, I, I gave the mm. sixth grade graduation speech. I've never for given things a graduation that are, Yeah, for things that are less impressive. Mm. And, oh, no. Would you like to say anything? You want to thank your family, your educators now? Use this uh, as a moment. No, I mean, thanks for paying for college, Mom and Dad. Well, there you go. That's a a good one. Well, welcome to the debrief. We've got some real answers coming your way to tough questions from the Bible, and more specifically, the last couple of weeks of sermons. So Mm -hmm. we've been talking about all kinds of stuff, spooky stuff. Uh, Then we've done this launch campaign, so we got questions about finances. Just this last weekend, Pastor Matt, you talked about biblical generosity. What is that all about? Spooky stuff. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's the real scary stuff. Really scary stuff. It was like a horror film. (laughs) That's right. Was everyone just looking at you? Yeah. Well, before we get into that really quick, you guys need to know that coming up here at Sandals Church, we've got our Finding Financial Freedom classes. Yes. That's right. So it's a four-hour workshop that really just helps you kind of get started on learning how to tackle debt, learning how to create a budget. So if you're just trying to get started on figuring out what the heck to do with your finances, maybe you want to be more generous, but there's just no room in your budget right now. We've got some people who are really well-trained who have done this themselves, who lead these workshops. They're actually at three different Sandals Church locations. So you can go on our calendar, look for uh, Finding Financial Freedom. We'd love to get you guys signed up for that. Boom. Or uh, you can get a direct link to that as well in our show notes today at the end of the show, debrief.show slash 87, and you'll find information for finding financial freedom. And before we jump into the show, you guys, I'm so excited for this five-star review. This five-star review comes from Shanley Atchison, wife of campus pastor Adam Atchison from Sandals Church East Valley. She says, I love the truth and wisdom that is shared each and every episode. Pastor Matt's insights into hard topics and the Bible keep me listening each and every week. Shannon, you should know that right now, Pastor Matt is rifling through papers full of Bible verses, which mm-hmm. is where he's uh, getting those insights to tackle the Bible. We thank you for your five-star review, and we thank everyone for their wonderful, wonderful five-star reviews, which help this show grow and be findable, basically. So if you want to help us out, go to iTunes, mm-hmm. pop over there. You don't have to have an iTunes store account. You don't even have to have a, an iPhone. All you got to do is go to your computer, open mm-hmm. up iTunes, search for podcasts, the debrief, 
click the button that says reviews and leave a review. Or to make that even easier, we have started dropping a link to the iTunes review process in oh. our show notes on every episode. So that's well why done. I'm to reference the show notes. Well Thanks, Dolores. Debrief.show slash 87. All right, that's we're right. going to jump into some follow-up questions. I think these ones are all the spooky questions from that's right. last week's Halloween episode. That's right. This first one comes in from Manuel. And he says, we talked a lot about demons and the devil last week. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we say that when something bad occurs or we encounter a negative experience that it was a devil. Is the devil omnipresent? What's omnipresent mean? Yeah, yeah always around. So okay. al- always around. So it's just Latin for always around. So everywhere. Gotcha. That's what it means. It's a fancy word for everywhere. Is the devil everywhere, Pastor Matt? No, no. The devil is restricted to wherever um, he is. So, so back up on that though. He said, we, we always assume that every... We always say that when something bad occurs right. or that when we encounter a negative experience, it was the devil. Right. So I would say that, um, you know, evil experiences are of the devil. Um, biblically, all evil experiences are from the devil or they are allowed by God and um, the angel of death or the devil, something like that uh, interacts, but it's usually because of judgment. But we need to understand that as Christians that sometimes the only way that God can get our attention is through a bad experience. Hmm. So God has to rattle our life to wake us up. So we need to understand and say, okay, man, if, if my life keeps, if I keep going through all these bad things, God is allowing me to go through all these bad things to wake me up. Even in the story of Job, uh, the most righteous man on earth, I mean, there's 40 chapters of Job having to wake up and realize that he's not everything that he thinks he is, and he mm-hmm. has no idea who God is. And so that's the purpose. And there's some really, really awful things that happen to Job that are allowed uh, by God through the tormenting of the devil. I mean, literally the devil is given, you know, carte blanche to do whatever he wants to Job with the exception of killing him. So he kills his family, kills uh, his wealth, kills his animals, uh, kills friendships and covers his body in boils. I mean, it's just a horrible, horrible thing where his friends are like, you just need to curse God and die. And so in the end, God speaks and says, Job, who are you? Where were you when I would do? I mean, you have no idea. And uh, I think it's important, you know, on the eve of another shooting, um, one of my favorite uh, tweets this week in regards to the shooting that took place in Texas was by J.D. Greer. And he just said, we await the coming of our prince who makes all these things untrue. And I thought that was great. And um, I think that hmm. part of our sorrow, I don't know if you've ever had like a terrible nightmare where it's just so real, so terrible, so awful. Um, you know, one of my worst dreams was I got really frustrated with my son and I pushed him and he fell off a ledge and died Whoa. in my dream. And I, I just remember like having this pain in my soul. It was, it was horrific pain because not only did I lose my son, but it was my fault. Mm. And then waking up and realizing that's not real. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the way that we need to um, think about life when we're going through these horrific experiences. They're real now, but they won't be real forever. At some point they will no longer be true because there's going to be a new reality. So not only is God going to wipe things away, but he's going to reveal what he was always doing in that process. And Mm so, uh, so much of our our life in eternity will will seem like a dream. In some instances, a bad dream, but we'll see, oh my gosh, that wasn't true. What God was doing was actually this. And so we need to remember that, that uh, God is working, right? Romans 8, 28, for God works all things for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28, one of the most important verses. So we need to, sometimes it is the devil. I think our church is under attack. You know, as we talk about finances, I think the devil is saying, that's your money. I think the devil says, ironically, one of the things that the devil says to people is Pastor Matt's all about money. Well, I can sit down and show you my finances and prove that that's not the case. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I shared with the church that, you know, Tammy and I's goal is to give a million dollars to this church. And so we're not going to do that. 
based upon the salaries that we make at Sandals Church. I'm going to do that through writing, through speaking, and some other avenues that, you know, God is opening those doors. And that's how I'm going to do that because I believe that, you know, God hasn't, if God gives me wealth, it is for the purpose of growing and, and expanding his kingdom. And so we're, we're grateful and glad to do that. But the devil is active, man. I, I don't know if you guys could feel it, but this weekend I felt the Holy Spirit just powerful, man. I mean, it was just powerful, even, even in the audiences. I mean, I know uh, some of you watch, many of you, not some, many of you watch from campuses, but at the Hunter Park campus, the spirit was moved. People were amening and jumping up and down. And, 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 and you know, I'm more of the golf clapping church, so mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't get really passionate. And here I am talking about money and why that's so important as we, we talk about this first encounter in Genesis 14 with Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, the king of peace. And, and why that's so important and how tithing originated with him. And people just were, man, I, it was just amazing what God was doing. And um, it, was, it was really, really powerful. And, um, you know, both my wife and I, you know, we're already tithers, but my wife, you know, we looked at, they, they mailed out, you know, what you're, where your giving is. And yeah. we're going to give more for the next um, two months to, to try to help our church raise the additional half a million bucks. And, and it's just so cool that my wife's pumped up about that and wants to be a part of that. And, um, so I, I don't know, this weekend was, was awesome. So I know that was a way no, out no. of there, you know, chase that rabbit, but, uh, it's not always the devil. Sometimes it is, man. Um, and again, we I think we have a question about the Holy Spirit today, but there mm-hmm. are times when I can sense that I'm in the presence of evil. And you know, what's weird is I usually feel, I feel the presence of evil the most around Christian religious people, hmm. mm. super religious people. I think that there's a demon of religiosity that dwells in the hearts of all religions, uh, you know, Islam, uh, Christianity, uh, Buddhism, and it's just this hyper accusatory, perfect person that just judges everyone else. And I, the most evil I've ever experienced is around religious Christians. Mm. And uh, that's just really, really scary because Paul says he doesn't warn us, you know, about evil out in the world. He talks about wolves from within the church. And so mm. we got to be really, really careful. So, Sometimes it's the devil, but sometimes it's God trying to wake your knucklehead up <laughs> and he's got to thump you to get your attention. So, yeah, you know, we mailed out those giving statements this last uh, week or whatever. We send those out every single quarter. This time we had an error with the printer. <laughs> it was so funny. Uh, all the information, the letter, all that stuff was wrong. It was from our last printing mm-hmm. statement, but the, the only thing that was accurate was the actual giving amount. Yeah. And we're like, well, it's a better part, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's a better use of our money to not reprint and remail those. Oh, so everything we mailed out was inaccurate. That's great. Except for the giving. <laughs> well, it was accurate. It was just accurate back in June when we sent it out the first time. Oh, yeah. Okay. So. Okay. We had a whole new one that was talking about all the cool stuff that has happened between, you know, yeah, exactly. July and September. Mm. Way to go team. Yeah. Exactly. Well, we did our best. sometimes some things go wrong yeah. and uh, this time it went wrong, but at least it, it worked for you guys. And now you guys are going to be uh, bumping up that giving. So great job. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's actually tackle that Holy Spirit question. Mike wrote in and says, how do you know if you have the Holy Spirit? It often seems like I'm not feeling him or I'm feeling him. Right. That's a great question. So I'm going to draw your attention. I know most of you are in your cars or maybe you're out you know, jogging or working out. But I'm going to, you know, if you're at a place where you can open your Bible, open to John chapter 16. And Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. He says, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. He says, in fact, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate uh, won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness and the coming judgment. And so here's the three primary things that the Holy Spirit does. First of all, the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. Okay. So if you haven't been convicted of sin in a, in a recent you know, time, 
then you're, you, you, need to, you need to fall on your knees because every single one of us sins every single day. We all need to be convicted of sin. It's, we, you know. When, we, you, say, when you say convicted of sin, what, are you, what, what does that look like? It's a, it's a deep like? spiritual impression okay. that you've done something wrong and you, and you need to communicate that. And, and we okay. do this all the time. And, and if you're oblivious to that, it means you're not walking with the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's job is to redirect where you're wrong in life. And so the world doesn't have this. You know, um, the most self-righteous people are non-Christian people. They think they're awesome. They think they're totally good. They're totally great. And it's because they don't have the Holy Spirit to saying, you're not all that. And, and here's the problem and here's where it is. And so you've got to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit in your marriage, in your friendships, at work, uh, when you're driving on the freeway. You know, I was just having a conversation with uh, a guy on the phone before, before this thing. And, and he's a really, really strong leader but oftentimes uses manipulation to get people to do what he wants. And I said, when you manipulate, you, you take away the spirit's power because what you're using is you're using your coercive persuasion to get people to do, even if you think it's what's right, as religious leaders and spiritual leaders, we can't do that because now we're, you know, I mean, I could use my personality to get people to do things on stage, but when I do that, then, then it's not the Holy Spirit doing it. And, we, and we're not winning, we're losing. Mm-hmm. And so I challenge him on that. And so he's, he's uh, growing in that area and recognizing when it's him trying to get somebody to do something and when it's the Holy Spirit trying to convict somebody mm. to, uh, you know, of doing something. It's like when I first got married is, you know, I could win every argument with Tammy because I'm a better talker. I'm way, I'm way quicker at thinking and um, I could build a great case for myself. But as I began to submit myself to the Holy Spirit, even when I was winning an argument, the Holy Spirit was saying, you're totally wrong. Mm. And I, I just would have to say, you know what? Yeah, I'm wrong and I need to back off because I'm the stronger personality, but I was the weaker Christian at that point. And so I had to listen. So the Holy Spirit convicts Ooh. us of sin. Next, uh, it convicts, con- convicts us of righteousness. So not only does the Holy Spirit teach you what's wrong, but the Holy Spirit is also a cheerleader. Yeah, that's right. Do that, do that, do that. And mm-hmm. it celebrates that. And so you're gonna get a feeling, almost a euphoric feeling inside when you do something right. Just like when you when you give, some of you tithe for the first time. Man, last night we were out to dinner, um, actually with a widow in our church. Oh my gosh, my heart breaks for her. And we were at dinner and she just said, I want my life. Think about this. So she lost her husband. We're out to dinner, a couple pastors and us with her, uh, really mourning the loss of her family. She's a younger widow. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a heartbreaking situation. And she says, I want to give this to you personally. And she gives me a check at the dinner table and it's a tithe check. And Mm -hmm. she's like, I want my family to be built upon God. And at first, right, I'm like, oh, you know, you know. And she's like, no, I've prayed about it. I, I've met with groups. I can do this. I want, you know, it was just powerful. And, and, and I realized, you know, it made her feel good to do that. And it's mm-hmm. because the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, you can do that. You can do that. You do that. And then right afterwards for everybody who's, you know, crashing their cars right now, I said, look, the church is here for you. We want to help you. If you're ever in a situation where you can't do this, please know we're about you, not about your money. Mm-hmm. So it was just a great, great thing, you know, and you think about the story of the widow uh, in scripture where Jesus says, everybody is given out of their abundance, but she has given all that she had. And I tell you, everyone will hear her story for all eternity. Mm. And it's just like, wow, here's God moving in the heart of this person who's lost her love, who's lost her husband, who's lost the financial means for their family. And she's saying, no, with the little that I have, we want to trust God. Mm. And um, it was just really, really powerful. And that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is convicting us to do what's right. And when you write that check, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I don't feel good about any check that I write for bills. Like I don't pay my bills and be like, oh my gosh, that was great. I love giving my tithe. Like I love doing that. I love when we got the statement and it says, okay, this is how much we've given. I think we can give this much more. Mm-hmm. I think this is what we can do. Like those things make me feel good because the Holy Spirit is saying, 
man, that's right. And not only is that right, but God's gonna bless you and God's gonna take care of you. Yeah. And um, so, so the Holy Spirit convicts of sin and the Holy Spirit convicts of righteousness, which means what is right, mm-hmm. what is morally right. And uh, next of the coming judgment, the Holy Spirit reminds you that this isn't the end, that there's something else after this. I was talking with a Jewish uh, friend of mine at, um, at the gym yesterday and he told me, he says, you know, Jews don't believe in the internal life. And I said, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. And so his Orthodox, or excuse me, his Jewish upbringing taught him that there's no such thing as eternal life. So, you know, he was being really cute and he's like, so there's no eternal life, there's no heaven and there's no hell. And I said, well, there's both and I'm trying to get you ready for it. So um, the Holy Spirit convicts us, man, there is something coming that the Holy Spirit is going to judge the righteous and the unrighteous, those who lived right and those who lived wrong. And we're all gonna stand before God and be held accountable for the way that we lived. And think about it, that needs, that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that shooter in Texas. Right. So, okay, so I, don't, I haven't heard what happened if he lost his life or if he died from his injuries from the neighbors who chased him. You know, he still hasn't paid for his crime. He hasn't paid for it. He will pay for all of those lives that he took. And think about it. It's only in the context of eternity that he can truly pay for that. And it's only in the context of eternity that that pastor who lost his 14-year-old daughter, and I believe this because Isaiah says that there are children present in, on the new earth, that they're gonna get to raise that girl. They're, they're, mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. So the loss of their daughter hmm. will become untrue. Hmm. They're gonna get to raise her and experience everything that they lost. And that's why the tears are gonna be wiped away because they, they get to be a part of that and everything is gonna be restored and it's going to be made right. And so it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful day um, and that's what's sad. Think about what hell is. Hell, everything remains true. All the pain, all the suffering, all the heartache, everything that's awful, that stuff doesn't go away. There's no healing in hell. So uh, we, we need to remember that. So the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And it reminds us, man, God is watching. Mm-hmm. He's watching. And I want to do the right thing because he's watching. And then ultimately, the Holy Spirit makes me want to do the right things because... That. So now this is a long, long uh, answer, but the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. So there's things that we can do where we block the Holy Spirit. We can do that in some churches. They don't listen to the Holy Spirit. They do what they want to do. Well, we've always done it this way. We don't care. We want the Holy Spirit to speak powerfully in our church. We want the Holy Spirit speaking through the sermon and we want the Holy Spirit speaking to the people. We want the Holy Spirit speaking, you know, through the worship, through the debrief. We want to do everything we can. And so what I make sure that I do is that I'm not in sin, you know, and if I am, I need to confess it and, and repent and, and be right. So when I stand and preach, I am preaching within the power of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And um, that's what people are feeling and sensing when they come to Sandals Church. Um, so here's the problem, 1 Timothy 4.1. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. This Holy Spirit's not the only spirit that speaks. And so a lot of people, when they say, oh, I feel like God wants me to do this, what they're really listening to is, a, is, a, is an evil spirit. So um, also Ephesians 4.30, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So you know, are you grieving God's spirit? And so that's, man, I, I can just tell you, you know, like, um, let's say, say hypothetically, like if I look at porn, I'm going to feel sick. Mm-hmm. I'm going to feel sick. I'm going to feel terrible. I, I'm going to, because I've allowed that into my life. And um, it's just, it's almost like a, the spiritual flu. 
That's the way that I would describe it. When I know I'm, if I'm not forgiving somebody, if I'm holding anger against somebody, if I'm being lazy in an area, if I know that I'm not doing what's right, it's the only thing I can describe it is I don't feel right. And, um, and that's because I'm a child of God. And when I sin, it grieves the Holy Spirit who lives in me. And so I'm grieving. And think about that word. Like when, um, when my friend a couple months ago, Dave died, um, you know, good friend, um, was, was a shocking death, um, actually um, committed suicide, it was terrible. I Man, I was sick, like physically mm-hmm. sick for about four days. Just like, oh, I was grieving, you know? I mean, my, my physical body was experiencing my emotional and spiritual state. And mm-hmm. so the same thing happens when we sin against God is we're living in a way that we shouldn't live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you're a Christian, you're gonna make mistakes, but it's going to wreck you. You know, it's, it's going to wreck you because the Holy Spirit's inside of you. And if it doesn't wreck you, then God's Spirit's not inside you. Mm-hmm. So um, lastly, Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so a lot of people believe that turning to drugs, turning to alcohol, turning to all kinds of things, you know, enables them to have a better life. We believe as Christians that the Holy Spirit actually enables us to live the best life possible. And so we, you know, when we numb ourselves physically and emotionally, we actually numb ourselves spiritually. Mm. So mm. you gotta really, really be careful. A lot of times we we can't hear from God when we're addicted to something else. So, mm. all right. That was a long, long, yeah, well, like a 20 minute answer. It was, there's good <laughs> stuff in there. And we will put all those verses and all that stuff mm-hmm. online in those show notes again. So if you are still driving and you didn't bust out your Bible like yeah. Pastor Matt instructed, uh, no worries to go to debrief.show slash 87 and you'll catch it all over there. That's right. I'm going to steal his piece of paper with all the notes on him just for you guys. That's right. So. All right. So we have, uh, we're going to jump right into the heart of the show. We're going to start debriefing this last weekend's sermon. We're not in the heart of the show. I thought we were, I felt, I felt like we were in the heart oh, we, of the show. We were. We're going to, we're we going to, we were in like whatever that first court is in the temple. You know, we're starting oh, to approach yeah, yeah. it, but now yeah, we're going to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gentile court. Yeah, yeah. there we go. Gentile exactly. court. Here we go. We're gonna start. somebody. Somebody needs to go to Israel. Oh. I would love to. There you go. We're gonna start doing uh, we all these questions debrief from this last weekend. You talked about biblical generosity. If you've not yet caught the sermon, you can go to move.sc/generosity. Find a link also online. Debrief.show. Anywho, we got ten questions Whoa. about finances and stuff. Yes. So we're gonna jump right into it. Here we go. This first one. Wait, come. wait. ten questions. Tithing means tenth. Uh, did you guys do that? Um, I wish we I did could do, truthfully we did say do, that we did. We did do yeah, that so the purpose. word tithing yes. simply means Do you feel tenth. convicted by the Holy Spirit right now, Justin, for nope. lying? Nope. Yes. Wow. Yeah. All right, well. <laughs> We're all going to be really happy to see you in heaven if you make it. Yeah. <laughs> oh be we'll good. cheer you on. Yeah. Uh, That's all, when I see good. Stephanie in heaven, I'm going to say, where's Justin? Did he make it? I'll be in the peanut butter and jelly corner. Yeah. There'll be a section over there. You'll be popping almonds. <laughs> All right, you guys. Uh, this first question comes from Vincent, w- Pastor Matt. I love that name, by the way. Yeah, me too. You know? Yeah. Vincent, uh, why do you want to get so big? How much money do you want? It's been all about money lately, and you seem to be on video more and more. The bigger you're getting, the less we see you. I really love Seattle's church, but you're driving me away. Yeah. Hey, Vincent. Love you. Um, actually, I'm, I am present at Hunter Park more than any Mega church pastor that I know. I don't know of anyone that preaches at their own churches. At their own there, church, there are not other mega church pastors present at Hunter Park. Right. right. So, um, so Vincent, I'm sorry, but uh, I I preach at Hunter Park. I think 45 times a year mm-hmm. on average. So, yep. um, I also preach every single sermon. So 47 times four. Last year it was times five. Uh, sorry, buddy. I can't be all places at all times. But um, you know, and all the other campuses watch me every single week on video. 
And the truth is, most of you at Hunter Park are not looking at me. I look at your eyes. You're looking at the screen. (laughs) I go on stage. I see how it is, too. Yeah, man. It's weird. You know, and and, okay, here's the bottom line. The screen makes it better. Communication. totally. In order to communicate, you need to be able to see facial expressions. And if a person's live 30 rows back, you can't see it. So they put me up on the big jumbotron and you can see it. So Vincent, my apologies. Um, You know, look. Part part of think of it. I don't know if you're a baseball fan. You, you got to think about it like uh, a pitcher. You know, you 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 can't make your pitcher throw every week. Otherwise, they burn out. And so, um, you know, uh, the board and uh, our executive staff is really conscious of protecting me and making sure that I'm not exhausted every week. So I preach four times on the weekend. I do a debrief, and then sometimes I speak somewhere else during the week. And occasionally, I do a funeral. So not doing weddings anymore, but I do everything else. And so. Um, you know, that, that's just the reality. So Vincent, I just would encourage you to pray about your heart and your attitude. And um, again, uh, we're, gonna do a, we're gonna do a sermon series next spring and um, I'm super excited about it, but it's called Spiritual Steps No One Sees. Mm-hmm. And so Vincent, I hopefully you'll stick around and because um, one of those steps is moving from me to we mm-hmm. and it's huge. So I'm, I'm praying for you. Next question, I'm all about money. Yeah, why do you want to get so big? How much money do you want? Well, okay. So why do we want to get big? Um, maybe I haven't been clear because the church is dying. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone noticed that. So, I mean, I think it's kind of like criticizing a hospital that wants to get big. That's ridiculous. You guys want to save a bunch of people. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. So, <laughs> yes, we do. You know, there's a lot of people dying out there and we need a bigger emergency room. And the church is dying everywhere, Vincent, everywhere in America. It is dying. And uh, that's for a lot of reasons. And uh, let me tell you, Vincent, uh, the primary reason is because there's a lot of people in these churches that don't want anything to change mm. and they don't want their church to grow. And so people are going to hell. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. Unfortunately, what stands against Jesus is not the gates of hell. It's people who call themselves Christians. Boom. Self-tweet. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So what does that take? It means we got to grow in locations. And, you know, Vincent, if you feel like that's a bad use of God's resources, when churches give us their facilities debt-free, well... Um, I'd be interested to see your finances. Mm. So I think that's a really, really good way to do. And, you know, all about money. I, I just don't think that that's true. I think that we have to talk about money, just like we have to talk about sex. We have to talk about every other issue that is brought up in the Bible. And just so you know, Vincent, Jesus, if you take Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you string out all the verses from, you know, one to whatever it is, 5,000, Jesus talks about money every sixth verse. He talks about money more than any other issue, more than heaven, more than hell, more than the devil, more than you know, anything. And that is because Vincent, we struggle with money. It's not a God problem. It is an us problem. And so I would encourage you to pray about that, you know, ask yourself. And, um, you know, I, I got to tell you, Vincent, I got more amens and way to go this weekend than I would say heart. I mean, I can't tell, I, I probably had 10 people say, that's the best sermon you've ever preached. Now they're probably tithers, but, uh, you know, they, they, they were pumped up about it. And, you know, let me challenge you, let the Holy Spirit convict you. And oftentimes the sermons that we don't like are the ones we need to hear. You oh. guys are late today. Okay. Last question. We're all about money. And oh, he just says, I really love Sandals Church, but you're driving me away. Right. Well, you know, unfortunately, Vincent, you know, um, we all, we all have to say no to ourselves to say yes to Jesus. There's no one who's been more uncomfortable. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. There's no one who's been more uncomfortable about the growth of Sandals Church than Tammy and I. Mm. It, there's no one, there's no one, there's not a person in the world who's had to wrestle with the changes at Sandals Church more than Tammy and I, because we've been a part of every single change. And many of them are things we don't like. And I believe that the Holy Spirit has called me to stay faithful and stay true 
to my calling. And a lot of people, Vincent, have left and they say, oh, the church changes. Yeah, it has to as mm-hmm. it grows. Otherwise it dies. And that's why so many of the churches in America are dying. Yep. And it's not that we change the message. The message is grow. God wants the church to grow. And if you don't believe me, read the book of Acts. And you say, well, you're all about numbers. Well, so is God. There's actually a book called Numbers. <laughs> There's a book in the Bible where God counts people. It's called Numbers, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. It's fourth right? one in. Yeah. So so we, we, we got we to embrace that. So hang on there, Vincent. Pray about it. Let God challenge you. Let God speak to you. And, and if you're going to stay, Vincent, which you don't have to, it's not a cult have a good attitude. So hopefully you'll stick in, stick with us and we love you. And and again, we're all uncomfortable. If we're not uncomfortable, the Holy Spirit's not moving. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. I know, that was a lot. <laughs> we got four ding bells. I'm from, dropping Jesus dimes. From Vincent. <laughs> Bam. All right, so Pastor Matt, one of the points from your message this weekend was that biblical, biblical generosity is blessed by God. Has there been a time in your life, Pastor Matt, when you didn't tithe and you knew God was calling you to do it? And were there any spiritual or financial financial repercussions for not being obedient to God's command? Yeah, I don't know. So um, I, I, I got my life right with God when I was 21 years old. Um, it started when I was in the military. So I was in boot camp and I was running from God. So I joined the army to run from God. And, and here's the newsflash, can't run from God. Uh, the United States Army is not even big enough to run from God. Mm-hmm. And so God spoke to me clearly. I came back, went to California Baptist University and God through Pastor Greg Glory at Harvest Christian Fellowship um, gave an invitation. I went forward and things just began to change. Uh, first issues were uh, drugs. I had to get rid of that. Alcohol, those weren't problems. Um, sex was a challenge. When you say they weren't problems, they weren't problems to get rid of. Yeah, I just was like, that was easy for Got me. It. Okay. So I've never, I've never really been a fan of being um, out of control. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm already kind of out of control anyways. So I, <laughs> I don't need any help in that area. So, um, so I struggled with two areas, really with sexual temptation and with, tithing, the issue of tithing. And, and I think that's where most people in the church struggle. And look at where the church is compromising. You can do whatever you want with your body in the name of love. And then you don't have to tithe because that's Old Testament or whatever. And so those were the two primary issues for me, which I think for a lot of people. And, um, but I remember vividly the first um, check that I wrote was um, I was ASCBC president, or I forget what it was okay. called at Cal Baptist. And you actually got paid for that. Oh, all right. So student government, you got paid, you got paid really well. And I hadn't tithed the entire first semester. Here I am in leadership and I wasn't tithing and I felt like a big hypocrite. I actually was going to Magnolia Avenue Baptist Church at the time. And I wrote that check, it was like 440 bucks. Mm. And um, it was scary, but it was the best feeling ever. It was the best feeling ever. And so I tithed on, on what I'd made and, and I made the decision from that point on that I was never gonna not tithe again. So, you know, did, was I not blessed? I can tell you this, I didn't feel blessed in the army. I felt like I felt like God's thumb was on my head no matter where I went. I struggled, I had difficult times, but I don't think that was, again, God doesn't care about your money, he cares about your heart. So God was getting me ready for leadership. And so uh, I've been a tither now for my entire adult life. So, and then my wife, when we got married, immediately joined me in that. So, um, you know, I don't feel like I've ever, I've ever missed out. Now I'm not wealthy. I mean, I'm, I'm not a rich guy, but I don't care. Mm. So, I mean, I'm rich in relationships with God and with people. So, All right. I don't know if that answers this question or not. Sounds good. Question. All right. So this next question comes in from Jenna and she says, my husband and I struggle financially. He has a good paying job and I stay home with our kids. As such, he has deemed himself in charge of our finances. We've gone through finding financial freedom and financial peace university, but there's been very little change. In fact, we're accumulating more debt. Would it be totally out of place for me to say, you've had your turn and it's not working. I'm going to take over this area now. I don't want to demasculate him, but I also don't want to continue down the sinful path of debt accumulation. 
Yeah, so I, I think that um, you know you need to have uh, a meeting, you know, a tete-a-tete, head-to-head. I think that's French. You need to have a meeting and you just say, look, I, I've submitted to you. I've given you, you know, all, all kinds of opportunities. Here's the struggle. So, you know, I think taking over the finances is one part of it, but you may need to consider getting a part-time job. So, and there's all kinds of amazing ways where you can do that. Like you can shop for other moms and other people. There's ways that you can get jobs and things that you can control your old time. You know, technology is an amazing thing, but, um, you know, be willing to contribute to get yourself out of debt. Because one of the things that kills people is these credit card debts and, you know, the interest rates that you're paying, you know, nobody can get out of that. You know, Tammy and I are fortunate. We have no credit card debt. You know, the, the only debt that we have is our mortgage. That's it. So we're, we're blessed, but it took a um, period of time to get us to that. And, uh, and, you know, I'm 46 years old, so I don't know how old you are, but hopefully you will get there at some point. But I, I would just say, look, I, I want to take over the finances. You know, um, my wife and I had to have that conversation in our 30s. We weren't in debt, but my wife is just one of those people. She grew up um, in, a, in a home that struggled financially, and she always had anxiety about the amount of money that her parents made as a kid. So whenever we would pay bills every month, um, you know, and most of our money at the time, right, went all away yeah. <laughs> because that's just where we were in, in that stage of life. You know, in your, in your 20s and your 30s, you're struggling, you're trying mm-hmm. to build your nest egg, you're trying to build wealth. And listen to me, young people, millennials, that happens over time. Yeah. So just give yourself grace. Um, but my wife would freak out and not be a very nice pe- person for like a week. And so we were in counseling together and I, I had to have the counselor support me on this to finally let my wife let me take over the money. And it's not that I'm any better at spending it. It's just, I just don't freak out about it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's been really helpful uh, for those of you who are going to take our, our, um, our self real with self workshops. My wife's a six, which means she's afraid of everything. And that just was not good for a six to be managing the finances because mm-hmm. it's scary to watch all that money come in and go out and you've got to learn to be able to handle that. And so, um, now we just have a certain amount in savings and she's okay with it. And I let her know if it goes a little below that and, and when we need to build it back up. But uh, yeah, I, I absolutely, look, if you're married, you're you're each gonna be better at some things than the others. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, guys, part of being the spiritual leader of your home is saying, okay, my wife is better at finances than I am. I'm gonna let her do this. I think you need to communicate. You need to uh, make sure that you're talking to one another yeah. so that there's no secrets. I mean, um, like, you know, Tammy and I are getting ready to go on vacation uh, for Christmas. And one of the things that I've learned is I didn't communicate well with her. So I want to communicate about what we're doing and make sure that I have her input and her buy-in because um, it's easier just to do it on your own. But you want to bring people, you know, involved that. And let me say, parents, involve your kids in helping to pay bills. Start teaching them, you know, both my girls, my son doesn't have it yet, but they have checking accounts. And I monitor their checking accounts and I monitor their money and I, and I help them, you know, make, make payments and stuff like that because one day they're going to have to do that. And the reason that a lot of us as adults are terrible at it is our parents never helped us do it. Totally. Mm-hmm. So, um, so have that conversation, do it in love. Don't be judgmental. Don't be mean. Um, but just say, Hey, look, why don't you let me run the finances for a year? So see how it goes. There you go. Okay. Somebody else asked last weekend, you mentioned that a church member would be donating a million dollars of his or her own money to expand more Sandals Church campuses, which is awesome. My question is, is it a worthy goal to pursue wealth in the business ventures in order to help out more in the kingdom of God beyond our tithes and offerings at our current pay? Oh, absolutely, man. The church needs rich people. For example, if you open your Bibles to uh, the gospel of Luke, there's a guy by the name of Theophilus. Uh, who paid and financed for all the research for Luke to go back and interview all the people to get the stories accurately so that the people in Rome could have 
a reliable history of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's a rich dude that paid for that. So um, I'm going to assume that was over and above his uh, tithe. Same thing, um, the offerings that are taken in 1 Corinthians 9 for the church in Jerusalem who's struggling and things are terrible there and, and really, really ugly as, as uh, it, Jerusalem was going through all kinds of turmoil. And eventually that would lead to the rebellion against Rome and they all got squashed. But the churches in Greece took offerings over and above to support that church. So I think absolutely, man. Um, and I hope I hope to be one of those people one day, you know, that God will be able to uh, bless me to be able to do that. You know, like one of my favorite memories is when Pastor Rick Warren, you know, wrote his book Purpose Driven Life. Uh, Kay and he um, he and his wife Kay they wrote a check back to the church for every dime they'd ever been paid hmm. by the church. So basically, he's been a volunteer at Saddleback his entire life. He just said, "Here's what you paid me plus interest because we love you and we serve God." Man, I would love to do that. That would be so great. And so. Um, you know, and I got that motivation early on from one of my friends actually at Shoreline Baptist Church in Huntington Beach. His name was Brent. And I'll never forget, I was a young man. I was like 24 years old. And he said, my goal is that, you know, my tithe would pay the senior pastor's salary. Mm. And I just, was, I had never thought about that. He said, I, and he said, and, and eventually I want to pay all the staff's salary. I want them not to have to worry about it. And that was his goal. That was the driving force of his life. And, um, you know, he didn't want to be a billionaire to be a billionaire. He wanted to make money to fund the church. And I thought, man, that's great. So absolutely, in the book of Romans, it talks about spiritual gifts in chapter 12. One of those gifts is the gift of giving. Mm. So, you know, tithing, I believe, is base level generosity for the church. Some of us will be blessed by God to fund his ministries in extraordinary ways. And so, um, you know, I, my prayer is that God makes all of you wealthy. I don't want any of you. I want all of you to handle the, the absolute most amount of money that you can handle. That's my prayer for you. I don't want it, you know, it to make you stupid. Like we were out last night, we were, heard about a family here in Southern California that won the lottery and they got divorced and their life has fallen apart. So I don't want that for you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I would never want to inherit money that caused me to lose my relationship with Tammy. That, that's that there's no amount of money in the world that's worth that. And so that's just sad that money changes people. And I don't think money changes people. I think it reveals who people are. Mm. That's what money does. So if you're an idiot, money's gonna expose that. Just like poverty can expose that. So um, yeah, man, make money, be wealthy, go out and do that. And and I think that that's great. Um, you know, one of my goals is that when I retire at Sandals Church, we'll handle, we'll hand this church off to the next generation debt-free. That's one of my prayers and one of my my goals in life so that they can start off because who knows what challenges they're going to face mm -hmm. in America at that time. You know, who knows how anti-Christian America will be. And if we can give them a facility that they don't have to pay for, that's really, really going to help them move forward. And, um, you know, Sandals Church, and again, back to Vincent, who I'm all about money. Look, man, we have scrapped and crawled and worked harder than any other church in this city. We started with nothing, mm -hmm. with nothing, no money, nothing. Every single thing that you see we built, we bought, even if you go to Woodcrest Christian, excuse me, Woodcrest uh, Miller. Yeah, Sam, Woodcrest Sam, Campus. Sandals, Sandals Church yeah, There we go, yeah. Sandals Church, Woodcrest, you know, that truck, that Nissan truck, man, those trucks are expensive. Mm -hmm. And you know, oh, well, you don't have to new, have a new truck. Yeah, well, the old truck broke down every single week, so that wasn't helpful. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all of that equipment, all of that stuff, we've purchased that, that's on our own. Um, you know, and we've been blessed to have God do that in our lives. And so, um, I think it's awesome. It's mm -hmm. not a bad thing. So John writes in says, as a sole proprietor, contractor, what would be the best way to figure out a tithe on gross profit, net profit, salary when we get paid? I'm trying to get things turned around, and I know this is a large part of the process. 
Yeah, so I don't know that you had your own business at one time. Mm-hmm. So my suggestion is if you're a small company that you pay your tithe on your salary. Um, if you're a large company, like for example, uh, Hobby Lobby, they mm-hmm. tithe as a corporation. So they tithe on their profits, which is over and above what they pay their salaries. So you know that's just, that's just who Hobby Lobby is. Hobby Lobby has decided to fund the kingdom. Uh, I'm looking forward to, in April, I'm going to Washington, D.C. They just spent a billion dollars, Hobby Lobby did, and they built the Museum of the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's literally, right, it's one block from the White House. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a fantastic thing that talks about you know, where the Bible came from, you know, how it's being used today. It's, it's incredible. So I can't wait to go. They spent a billion dollars on That's that. Crazy. Um, that retreat center that we went to for Saddleback mm-hmm. uh, Church, Hobby Lobby bought that. Uh, the camp that uh, Cal Baptist uses up in Idlewild, Hobby Lobby bought that. So uh, they buy it and they give it to um, religious organizations. So I think that that's great. Um, but uh, you know, most of us are not Hobby Lobby. Chick-fil-A does a similar thing. Mm-hmm. So they give away money uh, to the church to build the church. And there are many, many corporations and companies like that. So um, you were self-employed. Yeah, I was self-employed for almost as long as I've been at Sandals Church, way before that. And it was always ever just me and then sometimes people I would help pay. I worked with other people because um, I didn't know how to do a budget. I was I was like 18, 19 years old, and I figured out a monthly budget, like what that was going to be, a spending plan and income. And then of all the money that I would get paid, because some months I would get paid a whole lot of money, other months I would not, I just would automate that. And I would that amount of money would get deposited from my business account into my personal account monthly, and that became what I considered my salary, and I tithed off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's a chance that maybe I robbed God a little bit or something along those lines, but that was the best way for me to know that mm-hmm. I'm making this work on all accounts. So yeah, absolutely. Really well. I mean, God knows your heart. I mean, literally, just tell God. God, reveal again, Holy Spirit, reveal to me. You know, do I need to give more? You know, what do I need to do? And I believe that God will bless that. And here's the thing, whatever you give, God's gonna bless. He just guarantees in Malachi that the ten, that the tithe is blessed. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he says, try it, just try it. See what happens, see what I do for your life. And that's what God's saying. And here's the thing is God never lies. God always comes true in his promise. Think about it. Jesus said, I'm gonna be dead three days, but I'm coming back. And he did because God never lies. And so- Again, if you're a Christian, I think you're missing out on the blessings of God. Mm-hmm. So, mm. all right. So we've got a couple more logistical questions on how to give. So Becca asks, "What is your opinion on tithing on retirement deductions? Do we tithe on them now and when we retire, or do we just tithe on them once we've retired?" Yeah. So I would say you retire on them when you retire. Or excuse me, tithe on them when you retire. So uh, you know, Tammy and I, you know, we tithe off um, everything that we make, with the exception of retirement income. We're going to tithe on that when we're retired. And when we die, we're going to leave 10% to the church unless something catastrophic happens, you know, to our family. And then we leave half to the church. Mm -hmm. So, and that just depends upon, you know, and hopefully that will not happen, but our our goal is to tithe upon death. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, because I'm in in heaven, man, I I want, I want the, I want the, I want my last act in life to bless eternal life Mm -hmm. and and people to to go there. So that's what I would say. And, and again, we don't want to get caught up in legalism. We don't want to get caught up in, you know, becoming Pharisaical about this. So remember, Jesus' criticism in Matthew 23 is that the Pharisees are so careful to make sure that they're right at 10%, yeah. even according to their little herb garden that they got in their backyard, right? Which is, Jesus, oh, he's like, okay, chill out, uh, you non-resourceful ones. What you need to do is make sure that you are loving and kind and merciful. Now, having said that, some of you are really, really kind and you don't give squat. That's a problem too. So you're really, really sweet, but you don't help do anything. So- Make sure 
you know, your sin is probably not the sin of the Pharisee, but it, but it can be because you can be really, really legalistic and really, really unloving and not being a person of grace. So mm-hmm. um, that's what I would say, you, you know, tithing your retirement later. Yeah. So then Chris asks about social security and says, we live on social, social security and a small pension and we tithe on that. But I have friends who don't tithe on their social security because they say they already tithed while working. Any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, yeah. You're, I mean, this is just my thought on that. You should have prepared better. You didn't. We're, mm-hmm. we're kind of stuck there because your church, wherever you're being ministered, wherever I go, I'm going to give. I'm not ever going to go to a church. Even when Tammy and I visit other churches, I tie that sandals, but I still give a gift when I visit mm-hmm. because I've been fed and I've been blessed by that church and that community. And I always try to make sure that I have something. It's not a tithe, but I want to give something that's substantial. And um, Sounds you know, like Chris is saying he does tithe off of right. he, off the fixed income. Yeah, I think, I think he's yeah. doing the right thing. And, and again, these issues are controversial because they matter. Mm-hmm. Issues that don't matter are not controversial. So- so just just know that, and, and again, it reveals people's hearts. And so, if you're in a situation where you're on a fixed income and you just absolutely cannot tithe, then I would step up your service. That's what I would just say, Lord. I, man, I I can't afford to give because my my income's fixed. Maybe I'm disabled. How can I help the church? Mm. And so, and and there's always ways that you can you can do that. So, love it. Ashley says, and this is so cool. My husband and I have attended Sandals Church going on five years now. I've been walking with Jesus longer than my husband, who just started walking with Jesus himself this past weekend. This sparked a conversation between my husband and I to start tithing over these next two months for the very first time and help our church grow. Is there any specific way we should give online, in person, on Sundays? Yeah, I would encourage you when you're starting to give on Sundays in the blue bucket. I think that it's important when you begin giving to make sure that you identify it with an act of worship. And so, you know, the bucket that's coming around, that's an act of worship. We're offering something to God. Now that doesn't mean that it's any less spiritual, you know, cause if you're like me and, and you go to church all the time, I would forget every mm-hmm. single week. But I think when you're, so Tammy and I tithe online. So when you are, um, and then even if you tithe online, man, when that bucket comes around, just touch it and say a little prayer and say, mm-hmm. thank you, God. You know, you don't have to actually put it in there, but just say, just, that's, a, that's an important time of worship where we're saying, God, we love you and you've blessed us and we're giving back to you. Yeah. You know, if you're a married couple, put your hand on it together just for a second. You know, don't hold the bucket for five minutes, <laughs> but just for a second to say, God, we're a part of this and we love this church. Because again, it's an important part of worship. And so remember that ancient worship is all centered around giving and sacrifice. So we got to make sure that praise and preaching doesn't always dominate our worship. We, we need to give and sacrifice. And that's what the offering is. God, thank you for what you've done. We wanna bless you and we wanna give back to you. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I would do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, this next question comes in from Lauren. She says, I really believe in the vision of sandals and I have a big heart for giving, but I'm only 23 years old and a student. I don't have a job and I'm financially supported by my mom and my stepdad. I do have a savings account with over $3,000 and I think God might be telling me to give the whole thing. Of course, the idea of this scares me and I don't want to act foolishly or test God. How do I really know how much to give for lunch? Yeah, so I would, first thing that you need to do is go and talk to your mom and this is important, your stepdad. You need to honor him and just say, this is what's happening. I feel like God is calling me to do this. I would certainly say, Lauren's her name. Mm -hmm. God's probably calling you to give something, Mm. Um, but I would not give all of your savings. And and, and it's just important that you honor your mom and your stepdad. I mean, what what a blessing that you have a stepdad that's supporting you. That Mm -hmm. that is, let's just give a shout out to an amazing guy who is supporting somebody who's not his biological child. I wish that we had many, many more men like that in the world. So we wanna make sure that they honor them. A couple of years ago, we had a young man in our church 
who was being raised by his aunt and uncle and he got an inheritance and he gave like over a thousand bucks and his his parents were very upset about it. They are not Christians. They don't go to church. And, you know, I get it. They're worried that their kids go into a cult. <laughs> and so we gave the money back. You know, I was just like, look, man. Um, and I, I, I thought maybe the parents would be like, oh, thank you so much. They were not very nice. So um, I just gave the money back because again, we're not, we're not about the money. God's gonna take care of us. So I, I just would say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to give? And I think, that, I think God is gonna speak through your parents. And it's important that you honor them in that process because really they are your income. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. just just ask them, say, you know, mom, I don't know if you call him dad or whatever. What, what do you think? I, I'm really feeling led to participate in this and just share with them. We're building three new churches. This is something that, you know, I want to be a part of. What do you think is a number that, that that's okay with? And so I just think it's important that your parents feel good about that number. Um, what do you think about too? Like, what if she were to hold on to the savings, but approach them about trying to tithe off of whatever? How, like, if they're supporting her monthly or something, like if she could make yeah, that happen. that's up to them though. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, you, you know, for me, um, to, to part of the it's part of the regularity of the giving and mm-hmm. knowing that I'm consistently like. Here's when we talk about this. Let, let's just be real. I would love to be 10% richer. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I would love that um, every single month. Right. I, I'm just not, you know, like we look at other friends who are, uh, or people who, you know, we, we could, that'd be like an awesome vacation mm-hmm. per year or, you know, cooler stuff around or ha- whatever. Um, but it's just that regular discipline of knowing we are less, you know, financially resourced than some of our other peers who aren't believers or tithers or whatever. The, the, the consistency of that is really helpful for me. Um, and I almost want, I mean, it sounds like she's got some really awesome parents, like that yeah. she would even want to talk to this. I would imagine that they they might be on board with yeah. a decision like that, you know? Yeah. And I just want to give a shout out to all our stepdads out there. That's I just love you guys and I appreciate that you are um, raising kids that aren't yours biologically. I just think that's so awesome and we need so many men like that. Mm-hmm. So guys out there who are working hard, loving one woman, taking care of kids, man, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You are honoring God. You're honoring Jesus. That is just absolutely incredible. And we don't get to hear those stories enough. We always hear the bad stories. So that's a great, great story. Mm. Yeah. Okay, this last question comes from... What? Last question? Well, last money question. We got one more fun little off-topic question Mm. here. Listen, you just blew through nine finance questions. Yeah, Yeah. good job. Yeah, pretty amazing. Uh, Almost in the um, same amount of time as it took you to do one Holy Spirit question. So here we go. Summer, my husband is a business owner and is very motivated by money. I know being successful or even wealthy isn't necessarily a bad thing, but loving money over God is. I've been struggling with the idea of my husband's dream getting in the way of his walk with the Lord and with family time. I want to be supportive of my husband and... Love that he has big dreams, but how do I support him and also help him stay on track spiritually? Yeah, I think that very same conversation that you just asked, you need to have. And so mm-hmm. I think men men are motivated um, by many, many things. But one of the things that I don't think women realize is men want their wives to be proud. And so I think that one of the things that you need to just unequivocally say is, I'm proud of you. I love you. I will not love you anymore because you make more money. And just so you know, there are sacrifices uh, that families take, that relationships take in order to build businesses and pursue those things because you you only have so much time. And whenever you pursue something, you have to ask yourself, Jesus says this, before a king goes into battle, he has to count the cost, right? And so what do you count? You count the other king's <laughs> soldiers, you count your soldiers, you count the other king's horses, you count your horses. I mean, you you sit down and you calculate 
How much is this gonna cost me before I move forward? And a lot of times, you know, here's the problem with Christians. The Christian's greatest strength is faith and their greatest weakness is faith. And sometimes we just get stupid because we believe that God's gonna be with us no matter what. Mm -hmm. We have to count the cost. What is the cost for me pursuing this? What is the cost, you know, for me, um, you know, having, you know, more money, bigger business, bigger platform, being more famous, you know, what is the cost? And we all have to try to calculate. And, and the thing is, we're always going to underestimate cost. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that just, you just have to go into it knowing, okay, I'm going to underestimate this cost. I actually had to have this conversation with one of our pastors this week who was like, I'm willing to pay the cost. And I was like, ah, I think that's, that's a dumb cost because the expense was family. Mm-hmm. So you need to be able to count the cost and, and just know that I, tell him, I love you. I'm concerned about how hard you're working and the trajectory of your life. And man, it's just so important that we have time to pursue each other. We have time to pursue family and we have time to pursue the things of the Lord. God, you know, God does not want to, you know, you to build your wealth at the expense of your family. There's, there's no way that is God's will. And at the end of life, I, there's not anybody that's going to say, I wish I had more money. Mm-hmm. People, rich people regret, wealthy people regret time with their family, mm-hmm. relationship casualties, uh, all of those things. And so we, we all need to step back and say, okay, what, what, what is the right amount? And so we, we need to pursue every dream counting the cost. What, what, what is the liability here? And a lot of times, you know, savvy people only count the financial cost, but they don't count the relational cost. And I, I see this with a lot of gifted people. Like, why are you getting involved with that? Even in pastors, I see major, major spiritual pastors. I'm like, why are they doing that? Hmm. That that does not seem, like I have a pastor friend of mine. He has a church of 20,000 people and he's trying to save a college with a hundred students. Hmm. I'm like, count the cost. Hmm. Okay, so, so, so you're gonna neglect your 20,000 person church to save a college of a hundred people? And it's going to cost you a great deal of time, energy, resources, right? I mean, I'm like, what are you doing? Hmm. But he didn't listen to me. He hmm. went ahead and did it. And I, I thought it was a bad decision. So we need to calculate the cost. What, what, what's the toll going to be on me? What's the financial toll? What's the spiritual toll? What, like, you know, every, everybody always assumes that a promotion is God's will. Man, be very, very careful. Hmm. Be, you know, pray through that and ask God, is this where you want me to be? Because usually a rise in pay means arise in expectations, arise in time. You know, there are other things that come with that. And so more money usually equates more stress. It, that's just the way that it works. And so can, can you handle the stress? So I, I would just encourage you to lovingly cheerlead him. Don't come off as critical, negative or nagging um, because that's typically what guys hear and just say, I really love you. I'm really proud of you. I'm thankful for how hard you work. I'm thankful for what you do because there's a lot of husbands that don't work hard that are lazy, that don't pay their bills. So I'm thankful for that. I appreciate that. Here's my concerns. I want you to be as strong spiritually as we are financially. I want to see those going up at the same time. And so um, just really, really say that and say, you know, that that's what I'm attracted to. Your husband will hear that word. I'm attracted to that, to a spiritually deep man, not just a wealthy man. Um, I, I'm, I'm attracted and drawn to a spiritually deep and emotionally deep man. And here's the thing is when you're tired, you don't have time for emotions and spirituality. The first thing that goes is your quiet time with God, your reading of scripture and your intimacy with each other. When you're exhausted, those are the first two things that go. Hmm. You know, So make sure that you're having that conversation. And just again, ladies, cheerlead. I can't tell you how, I mean, nope. No, ever wonder why on earth do we have cheerleaders? Because men are weak. That's why we need 
pom poms. We need cheers. Like like those things are important. You know, we we need that. And and so many women don't realize how powerful their words are, how devastating their criticism is. Hmm. You've got to be encouraging. You've got like ladies, if I could say one thing to you, it's just cheerlead your husband. And I'm not saying be fake. I'm not saying talk don't talk about real issues. But man, if you want your husband to to listen to the one criticism, there better be 10 cheer routines, you know, because man, I appreciate you, man. I love you, man. I I just so value you. And and man, just in marriage relationships in general, you know, if there's a time for me to tell my wife, you're beautiful, or I appreciate what you do, or I'm thankful for this, man, I try to say that because it's so important. Because oftentimes the only things that we ever talk about is when we're upset. Mm -hmm. And then that's sad. Same thing with parenting. You got to give a well done. I'm so proud of you. That's so great. You got to cheerlead for kids because you're going to have so many difficult conversations when we don't make time for the positive ones. So I'll be praying for you. It sounds like you married a leader. It sounds like you're married to, uh, you know, a game changer. That means, you know, he, he's got extraordinary things. I would encourage him, uh, you know, to maybe at some point do Rogo school so that we can develop him spiritually so that he can be equipped to handle you know, the financial things. And, and let me just say this, you know, back to Vincent. What Vincent's really concerned about is me, mm-hmm. my integrity, my character. And so one of the things, you know, for Summer's husband, sounds like she married a leader. I'm a leader. Sounds like she married a visionary. I'm a visionary. Sounds like she married, you know, somebody that wants to do things with life. That's who I am. So what you've got to do, Summer, is make sure that he's growing spiritually and emotionally in step with the physical blessings and the platforms that he received. And so a lot of times, uh, you know, we were talking um, at the show about, uh, oh, who's the pastor I said in New York City? Um, he was on The View. Oh, Carl Lentz. Carl Lentz. You know, my prayer for Carl Lentz is, you know, he his platform has skyrocketed. My prayer is that, you know, and I, I don't know how it's possible that your integrity and your spirituality can 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 keep up with that mm-hmm. because he's got this enormous platform mm-hmm. and man, this, the spirit doesn't grow at that length. There's a reason Jesus doesn't start his ministry till he's 30. Mm-hmm. He's preparing. Same thing with the apostle Paul. A lot of people don't realize where does Paul go after he gets saved? Into the desert for 13 years, 13 years mm-hmm. so that he can get ready. Even in first Corinthians, God says that, that Paul was assigned a demon to torture him to keep him humble because his platform was skyrocketing and most people can't handle fame and they can't handle fortune. Mm -hmm. And so Summer, you can just share that with him. It's not a concern about him. Most people screw up their lives with fame and fortune. Those two things wreck you. They do, Mm -hmm. unless you're prepared to go slow, to build it. And so here's the thing back to Vincent. Here's the miracle of Sandals Church. It's taken us 20 years to get here. 20 hard, awful years. And, um, you know, struggle. So that's why we're blessed. And so Summer, I'll be praying for you. But again, be thankful to God that you married a guy with ambition because some guys don't have it. Some guys are lazy and that's not your guy. So every, ladies, every man has challenges. Mm -hmm. Every man. And so, you know, ambition is a good thing. We just have to point it in the right direction. And so it sounds like that's your heart. And so make sure that, you, you, you know, leaders don't want handcuffs. What they want is direction and inspiration. And so to know that you're coming alongside and you're saying, I'm with you, but here's the direction that we need to go. And so, um, and just know, Summer, you're a gift to your husband. My mm-hmm. wife, Tammy, is a gift. And the times that I have not listened to my wife have been major, major mistakes <laughs> so in my true. life. So true. So Yeah, I love what you just said. There was one, I'll never forget it. It was probably like seven years ago. 
maybe before kids, maybe eight years ago, one night after our small group left, everybody left at home, and my wife, Lindy, she just said, you know, I'm so glad you're ambitious. Thank you for blah, blah, blah. Um, and it was like one little thing. And I just mm-hmm. was like, thank you for noticing. Just like she does a zillion different things, feels like I never noticed. It's one of those things where, anyways, it was so meaningful. Yeah. I think all husbands and wives are guilty. It's just a normal, mm-hmm. it's just not normal. It's a natural thing as we just take for granted the giftedness of our spouses. Mm-hmm. And that's why affairs happen because what happens is people at work notice your giftedness, compliment your giftedness. They see it. And they're telling you, wow, you look really beautiful today. Or wow, you're really amazing or you're talented. I'm looking at Stephanie saying beautiful and I'm looking at you saying talented. Not that you're not beautiful, but that would be awkward for if I use that language to describe I'm talented. And then you come home and it's, you didn't do this, 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 Mm -hmm. this. And and that's what happens. And so, and again, married people, dating is literally, uh, you know, moving forward, dreaming. Marriage is, 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 you know, is shoulder to shoulder. Mm -hmm. So it's work. And that's why a lot of people can't do it. And so- when you're dating, if you're single, be, be asking yourself, can I work with this person for the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. So, you know, attraction comes and goes, but man, work, you got to do it constantly. And mm-hmm. having kids, paying bills, man, those things aren't fun. So yeah, really, really be evaluating. Go ahead. And I think for men and women too, I know like Tyler's super ambitious, loves to work hard. And I tend to be on the side of like, no, just be home. Like, just hang out with us. Like, we don't need more money. You don't need to go do more things. But I can tend toward the side of like, almost holding it back a little like right. no like I don't want you to go do that I want you to just hang out with me all the time mm. and so I've had to learn to like let him go do more things let him go pursue more things let him get out there let him work and all that and not like constantly asking him like no I want you home more no mm. like can't we just do this can't we just do our things like and I've had to learn how to balance that out so I don't know if that's summer situation at all but maybe just really like figuring out where you're maybe being a little selfish and wanting him more than like he wants to be able to go and work and it's kind of a balance for both of you for him to be ambitious but learn to be home more and for you to allow him to pursue that and you know, right? And you need and out. you need both personalities. I mean, you know, my job, you know, f- for my family is I, I had to prepare to pay our bills to get our kids through college, and pr- I'm preparing for retirement. My wife mm-hmm. is not thinking about those things. My wife doesn't know what a 403b is. Mm-hmm. I do, <laughs> and I'm thinking about that, and I'm preparing for our retirement. Mm-hmm. That's my giftedness. That's my specialty, and so I've got to do those things. And she's got to trust me in that because when we're old, we got to we got to be able to live and pay the bills. And so mm-hmm. you got to pay bills till you die. And then you get to pay taxes when you die. That's fun. We just mm-hmm. found that out. So, Lots to look yeah. forward to. Friends. Yeah, Summer, love you. Grateful. Hey, I'm grateful that you and your husband are growing in your faith. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's fantastic. And uh, what a great name your parents gave you. Pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, good show. All kinds of good stuff on there. Probably going to be about a thousand Bible verses, links to other sermons and places on the internet, books and things of that nature, all online in the show notes at debrief.show slash 87. That's right. You can also follow us at Debrief Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can see our friendly faces on there. We would love to connect with you. Uh, we've got some great resources on there, quotes from the show, clips from the show, links that you can share with your friends so that they can start following us and listening to the Debrief as well. You betcha. If you want to support the show, you can do that easily. Uh, supporting Sandals Church by texting Give Debrief to 951-900-4120. Give Debrief to 951-900-4120. That is an easy way to help um, support Sandals Church as we continue doing all this stuff, including making this incredible show. I just That's called it right. incredible. That was bold. Yeah. yeah well, you said it was a great show earlier. You're really... High compliments for this. Yeah, I'm feeling good, man. I got a new shirt on today. It's br- oh. it's red. Red's a power color. And it seems like feel, a dusty red. Yeah, I like that. It feels it's more, that's it actually looks a little pink bit more about to me, me, like salmon. Ooh. Uh, it's more red than salmon. Okay, well, 